You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light, live from Dave & Buster's at Tempe Marketplace. Now, here's the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy. Now, the final three weeks of college football's regular season are upon us, with the Arizona State Sun Devils getting set to make their final out-of-state road trip of the 2022 season. This weekend, the Sun Devils head to the Palouse region of southeastern Washington State, making their first trip to Pullman in seven years to take on the 5-4 and four Washington State Cougars, with ASU hoping to avenge a homecoming loss to the Cougs one year ago. We invite you to join us for the next hour as we preview the Washington State game here on the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light. Good evening, everybody. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Sun Devil Football and your host for tonight's show, which once again this week is being broadcast live from Dave & Buster's in Tempe Marketplace. If you're in the area, come on down. we got plenty of room for you. My co-host once again, Arizona State Interim Head Coach Sean Aguano, whose team is about to head to Chile, Pullman, Washington. The predicted high temperature there Saturday, 39 degrees, which is actually 7 or 8 degrees warmer than what was first forecast. Uh, you ready for some uh, good football weather this weekend? Absolutely, huh? absolutely. We, we we love the cold. You know, in Colorado it was cold, and, and uh, we came over to victory. So There you go. Yeah, so we're ready to go. A lot of the guys you talked to, uh, I know some of your players said they're kind of excited about this. Chris Edmonds today it was telling the media he's kind of stoked to play in some chilly weather. Absolutely, and uh, talked with X today as well. And, and uh, you know, it's e- even... Uh, a lot less chillier than when he was up in Wyoming. There you go. He he knows what cold is all about in Laramie. Our guests tonight on the show represent the Sun Devils defensive line group. ASU assistant coach Robert Rodriguez will visit with us a bit later in the show, as will two of Coach Rod's steadiest players this year, as lineman Anthony Cooper and T.J. Pesafea will drop by and join us as well. Like a football game, our show is formatted in quarters, so... What do you say we get it going with the first quarter of tonight's show? Welcome to the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light, the first quarter. As we come back with uh, head coach Sean Aguano, and Sean, really the math is pretty simple. Your team needs to win out its final three games in order to finish with a 500 record and become bowl eligible, so... No margin of error right now. How do you feel your team is equipped for this final three? You know, you, three we're ready for it. We're ready for it. Uh, they understand the, the circumstances, and uh, they, they want to get to a bowl game, and so we'll take one game at a time and, and go and handle uh, Washington State and then move on to the next one. Given all that's happened in the program over the last couple of months, how meaningful would it be for these kids if they got to play in a bowl game? You know, that adversity they went through and, and all the, the trials and tribulations they've been uh, going through, but... Uh, to get to a bowl game would be a relief for them, and I know it would be a success for them from a season standpoint. And you know what else? I know in, in a lot of times in uh, postseason, coaches, some for them, the best part about going to a bowl game is all the extra practices you get. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the time together. It's the bonding. But it's also a, a time to uh, get out of the state and, and have four or five days where, um, you know, there's a lot of things to do uh, in, in regarding to bowl week and, and just having fun. What qualities or components does your team possess that gives you the most confidence that you can run the table here at the end and get to bowl eligibility? You know, I, I, they play to the last whistle, uh, and we talk about that every day, stacking success and playing to the whistle, and we'll see what happens on the scoreboard. But um, they've been playing hard, uh, never quit, 
Um, and as you saw uh, coming with the UCLA game, right, right. you know, we were one stop away, I thought, uh, from turning that around and, and scoring for the win. And, and uh, I always told them that I'm going to be aggressive uh, going for two because I expect us to win. Um, it, di- it didn't uh, happen, but I know that they played to the last whistle. Conversely, what areas do you think need most attention or improvement if you're going to uh, pull off this successful finish? To this you know, season? just our guys understanding that they have to do their job. You know, I think at some t- at sometimes uh, it's pressure where um, they think they have to make a play instead of just doing their job. And if 11 guys do their job, um, then they'll stop the play. Mm-hmm. I think it's they, they're trying too hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't um, doubt their effort. Um, they're, they're trying to win. Um, and so I need to make sure that we control it from a coaching staff, control that they're doing their job. Let's look back uh, briefly at last week's game, as Sean referenced, a 50-36 to loss to the now ninth-ranked UCLA Bruins. I believe UCLA is still number 12 in the college football playoff rankings, and if they're number 12, in my opinion, they're undervalued. They're a pretty doggone good football team. Uh, but the big key factor was uh, UCLA's ability, even without their lead running back, Zach Charbonnet, to run the football with 402 rushing yards. What were the, what were the issues that led to them having so much success on the ground? You know, I think uh, uh, 100 of that came from um, the quarterback getting out of the pocket. Yes, it did. Uh, and yep. then, our, then our, the defensive backs turning their back because they have to play in that man uh, position. But, uh, and then him running around, and he's a heck of an athlete. Uh, and then, um, you know, us making sure that uh, – we are stunned in the in the front seven to stop their their line, but uh, um, I thought they were a pretty good football team. I, I thought we were a good football team, and so we need to make sure that we just um, tidy up a little bit on the run game and uh, do our job. Boy, dual threat quarterbacks are really a threat, aren't they? Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, had a career high 120 rushing yards last week, 289 total yards. Uh, he accounted for four of their touchdowns, ran for two through for two uh where does he rate among the dual threat qbs that you've seen he's probably one of the the best athletes that that we've seen um when we've and we've seen a good one so when he's we've seen the williams kid williamson kid from caleb, uh, caleb williams um, yeah. usc yeah um you know, we've seen the rising kid from mm-hmm. utah but i think uh, DTR, well, you have seen a lot of good yeah, ones very good ones and the Penix kid as well from uh, washington spencer sanders at spencer oklahoma sanders state, at oklahoma state. but uh, i think he is the most athletic especially when he gets out of the pocket what, uh, what do you feel like you can do from a defensive game planning standpoint or maybe what has been done in practice this week to shore up that run defense? You know, I think we, we need to take more chances. Um, and you th- I think that, uh, you know, that uh, we need to take, uh, uh, come up and play the run and make it an emphasis. Uh, I thought uh, um, that was the emphasis, uh, and we were going to hit 24. 24-1, uh, and one, that was the emphasis the whole week. Uh, 24 wasn't playing. They yeah. spread it out uh, a little bit on us, and... and uh, um, we had a tough time stopping the run. You should have seen it in the press box. We, I don't know what was going on the sideline, but we're all in the press box wondering why is Zach Charbonnet not in there because he was dressed out on the sideline, but he never showed up in the game. Now we come to find out, I think he has had some injury issues, but we got no official word from anyone from UCLA. You no, know, we were planning that uh, he was playing, and that was an emphasis for us the, the whole week. And so um, they did a good job. Um, you know, scheming against us as well, uh, taking care of our five, six-man boxes. Um, and then, of course, it's hard to account for number one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, you said after the game, uh, certainly this is not in any way an excuse, but certainly an explanation, but there has been a flu bug that has gone through your team. Uh, how big a factor was that last week, and how's your team health-wise this, uh, health-wise this week? We have, a, we have a few that uh, are, are still fighting it. Uh, last week we had more than a few. 
And so, um, you know, guys have to step up and play um, just as if there was an injury. And so mm-hmm. we need to make sure that uh, the guys that are ready, the, the development of the second group has to be ready to play if that happens. As they say, it's the cold and flu season, and I guess you find that out even in a football team. Absolutely. You? Yeah, for sure. Uh, even uh, with UCLA's ability to dominate with the run, and you touched on it earlier, your team showed a lot of fight. Uh, you were down 25 at one point, and lo and behold, with six and a half minutes left to go, you're within six, 42 to 36. So what did you see from your squad in that comeback? You know, I, I saw the confidence that uh, they can play with anybody, and I told them, um, going into this game, we've played uh, the number 12 team. We've played the number 20 team. We, now we play the number 9 team. Um, and they're as good as they as anybody. And uh, they have to understand from a confidence level that we can play with anybody. We just need to make sure that we sure up um, our offense and our defense and special teams and not make the mistakes that we have been. All I can tell you, Sean, is if you were a college basketball team, you would have no issues with RPI, you know, <laughs> what they use in college absolutely. hoops because uh, your schedule has been one of the toughest in the country as it's unfolded. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and that's not an excuse. I think uh, our kids play up to any level, uh, and so they'll be, they'll be ready to go. And I have all confidence in them that uh, we'll get it done. And I think you touched on this as well, but uh, I know that a lot of your players love the – aggressive mindset you went for it several times on fourth down the first touchdown of the game mm-hmm. uh, was a beautifully executed pass to messiah swinson on fourth down uh you went for two on uh, two occasions in that comeback and were successful both times is that just that pedal to the metal attitude you absolutely want to you know if i ask our guys uh, uh, to go all out I, i'm going to make sure that uh, uh they understand that i'm going to be aggressive to win i'm not a guy that uh, wants to sit back and, and play the conservative role um, I asked them uh, to play fast, and I asked our defense to play fast, and so they have to understand that I'm going to go to win for whatever it takes. Trenton Borgay, your quarterback, once again uh, put up some terrific numbers. I mean, uh, digest these for a minute. Consider that Trenton has basically played two and a half games. You know, he's, he started sure. the last two and played the second half and part of the second quarter at Washington. He's thrown for nearly 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns in basically two and a half games. You, you know, we, if we go back to the, the analogy of the uh, basketball, he's just a point guard out there, you know, delivering, anticipating. That's a great analogy. Um, you know, our goal is to get our uh, best players the ball, our playmakers the ball, and, and that he's he's done that. Um, he hasn't taken sacks because he's checked down. Uh, he's he's a very intelligent football player, and uh, and you can see that. I've We've talked on this show about how much I'm impressed with his field presence, his command out there. The other thing that impresses me is the way he stands in that pocket. Even in the face of uh, pressure, he'll get the pass off, and he will take a hit. And he took a bunch of them on Saturday, and he gets right back up and gets ready for the next play. Oh, he's a tough guy. And, uh, you know, his leadership and and, uh, the whole team has confidence in what Trenton can do. And we've seen it for two, three years now, how he portrays himself at practice, how he prepares. Um, And everybody, whenever he was on the scout team when he first came as a freshman, um, he – uh, lit it up on the defense then and so he's always been has been prepared to be the quarterback that's the sense i get i think a lot of us you know media observers whatnot are you know and i think with good reason just so impressed at what he's done and i think all of you inside the team while impressed are so yeah, we've seen this the last couple of years <laughs> absolutely and, and he does that every day at practice uh, you know when he was with the second team or the look team or well, you can call it the scout team um he has dissected uh the defense then and so he does that every day at practice just because he understands the game so well. 
You know, X Valaday has been a good runner. Uh, he had uh, he nearly had 100 yards for the fifth time this year on Saturday. Ended up with 92, a couple of touchdowns. But how about the 10 receptions out of the backfield for 89 yards? He is only the second Sun Devil running back in the last quarter century to catch double-digit passes in a game. Kalen Balage did so in a game at Arizona about six years ago. But, uh, boy, X as a pass-catching threat is now emerging as another component of your offense. Absolutely. I thought we, we could take advantage of him against the, the linebackers. He just does so well in space. And then, uh, again, it comes down to Trenton not taking those sacks. Uh, when, when he can't get the ball off, he's a, he's a check-down machine. And so um, he understands where X is going to be or where our running backs are and, and he needs to get rid of the ball instead of taking those sacks. Is that a feature you think he can take advantage of week in and week out now, X has coming out of the backfield? Absolutely. Now now the linebackers can't drop deep uh, and get under those zones because they're worried about X. And, and you know, he's a, a yards after the catch kind of guy, and, and uh, he'll put his foot in the ground and get north and south real quick, and so he's another threat. We also saw the continuation, uh, the continued maturation, if you will, of Elijah Badger as one of the top receivers in the Pac-12. He had... Eight receptions for 83 yards and a spectacular one-handed touchdown grab in the back of the end zone in the second half against UCLA. He has 53 receptions on the year, third most in the Pac-12. But in the last four games alone, 29 catches for nearly 400 yards and four touchdowns. We're starting to call him the money badger uh, for the way he's uh, come through for you. Are you surprised to the, the degree to which he has stepped up and stepped forward this no, year. No, you know, you know, he has uh, incredible, we call him the freak, he has incredible uh, athletic ability. You know, he's strong in the weight room. I think it was his urgency and maturity um, in practices to get where he's at now. Um, I think he realizes that, and he's getting better and better every day. The tight ends continue to be a big part of your offense on Saturday. Jalen Conyers, seven more receptions. Messiah Swenson, two, including that terrific fourth down uh, touchdown catch. That seems like that's... That's now a fully loaded weapon in your offensive arsenal. Absolutely. I, I would like to get the, you know, the, the tight ends involved, probably 10 to 15 catches uh, as well as getting Badger the ball. And, and there are playmakers along with X. And so, and then Gio and, and uh, Brian Thompson have been doing a great job as well as Nagata. So um, we have a bunch of weapons out there that we can get the ball to. You even got your freshman, uh, highly regarded freshman, Tevin White, in for a couple of runs, two carries, eight yards. Uh, uh, he still could play a couple more times without burning a red shirt. Absolutely. Uh, do you plan on using him the last three games? Yes, we are. And, you know, we think that uh, he's going to be a future running back. Uh, um, and so um, he reminds me of uh, the Rashad White, you know, that slash type uh, back. And, and uh, we want to make sure that he gets some game time looks. We'll take a look at Washington State later in the show. But uh, the Cougars uh, snapped a three-game losing streak with a huge win at Stanford, 52-14 to last week. They're now 5-4 and four on the year, 2-4 and four in Pac-12 conference play. What's your overview on Washington State? They're, they're a, uh, a feisty group on defense. Um, they spread the ball out to run the ball on offense. Um, and they're, they're a good football team. And so we're going to have to make sure that uh, we um, dot our I's and cross our T's in regards to our preparation. But uh, um, it's going to be a fight. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we're going to take a deeper dive in the Cougars later in the show. We have... Plenty more headed your way on tonight's edition of the Maroon Monsoon. Up next, we'll meet two of the big fellas in that Sun Devil defensive line. Anthony Cooper, TJ Pesafea are there are here and will join us. But first, let's take a timeout here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. Let's start the second quarter of the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light. Broadcasting live from Dave & Buster's at Tempe Marketplace, a great place for food and family fun. We welcome you back. This evening's edition of the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light 
as we talk Arizona State football on this Wednesday night. I'm Tim Healy, your host. Glad you joined us. Time now to meet our two player guests on this evening's show. They are two of what I refer to as the steady eddies in the Sun Devil defensive line. Our first guest is uh, to my immediate right. He is a local product, posted three sacks this season, two of them in the Sun Devils game at Stanford a couple weeks ago after he had four quarterback sacks in 2021. He is from Millennium High School in Goodyear, Arizona. We welcome Anthony Cooper to the show. How are you doing, Anthony? I'm doing good, good. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Our second guest has been one of the most consistent performers in the D-line this season. He's now in his fourth year at Arizona State, and this year has logged 29 tackles, second most among the team's defensive linemen. He also had his one sack, which he got this past week against UCLA, and has three pass deflections on the year as well. He comes from Sacramento, California, and we're glad to have Tadala T.J. Pesafea on the show. What's up, T.J.? Thanks for coming on. T.J., we're going to start with you. You were scheduled to be a guest on the show a few weeks ago. You were unable to make it, but you had a good reason why. Tell us all about it. Yeah, um, my daughter was born. And uh, that, That's a pretty doggone good yeah. reason. Huh? <laughs> Tell us about it. Uh, how is she? What's her name? And how's she doing? Um, she's doing good. Her name's uh, Samaya Shannon uh, Luan Marie Pesafea. And, um, yeah, she's just growing every day, eating. Oh, I tell you, that's, yes, sir. That, that tends to happen. Uh, yeah. And this is your second, right? Yes, sir. And you have a son. How old mm-hmm. is your son? Uh, he uh, turned one last month. Wow. Yeah. You get a sense of how he likes having a little sister, or is it too early to tell right now? Um, I, some days he likes her, some days he doesn't. Uh. Well, well that's, that is that is such great news to hear. Anthony, let's talk to you. Uh, it's great to see local high school products who uh, come to Arizona State and find success on the field. What were the factors that led you to come over from the west part of town over to the east side to Tempe to play for the Devils? Uh, first off, it was just Coach Herm and the staff that he had here. Uh, second, it's, it's, it's home. My mom's 40 minutes away. Anything I need, she's right there. Uh, and third, it was probably I had U of A come out and recruit me my uh, senior year of high school, and they said I was too small to play at this level. So uh, what better way to get back at Arizona than just playing for their rival? So, wow. Yeah. There you go. That, that's, uh, <laughs> that, that gets a pretty nice reaction, doesn't it? Uh, your thoughts, uh, you, it has to be music to your ears as a local kid, isn't it, when you hear Coach Aguano talk about the importance of in-state recruiting? Oh, yeah, 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 most definitely. Uh, Coach Aguano did some crazy things here in Arizona with uh, the Chandler team, and I was going through high school, I was watching him. I want to be a part of the team. I want to win something like them. Um, he's, a, he's a good dude. It's, it's good having him uh, here in this uh, state still, and um, I'm glad to be behind him. TJ, let's talk about your journey to ASU. You uh, went the junior college route. You went to... American River Junior College up in the Sacramento area. Tell us the path that led you to Arizona State. Um, really, I just say uh, just dedication, you know, faith, just not knowing what the next step's going to be, but just uh, keep my head down and work and control what I can control. And you know, I feel like coming here was a blessing, and you know, it's been that ever since. Yeah, you've been here for four years. You're one of the veterans in the program and i think you're having your best season this year what have been some of the factors it seems like you've gotten incrementally better every year what have been some of the factors this year that have enabled you to step up and be such a big producer in the d-line um one just uh having the opportunity you know a lot of uh bit uh good teammates that uh entered the nfl last year and uh, that's right it was my name was called and uh sitting out with coach rod he had 
every bit of faith in me and uh you know we just took it day by day and you know that's what we continue to do anthony how about you how would you uh, size up your play so far this season you've been a solid producer the last couple of years at dn uh i, I i'm i'm I'm, uh, I'm happy with it uh it could be better i know what i need to work on and i come in every day and i i go through it with coach rod i go through it with the coaches um just try to keep getting better we talk, we're going to talk with Coach Rod later on. Robert Rodriguez, uh, in my opinion, one of the best position coaches in the country. Uh, what, what have you learned from Coach Rod uh, in, in terms of D-line play? I've learned a lot. Um, I've never really been taught to play with my hands. And ever since I've been here with Coach Rod, the only thing I've used is my hands. So, um, Wow. Yeah. Uh, the He said it the other day. Um, D-line is kind of a, a poorly coached position here in college. Um, I think he definitely does something different that a lot of coaches don't do. That's interesting. How about you, TJ? What have you picked up from Coach Rock? Uh, man, I feel like everything. He completely like slowed down the game for me, gave me a new perspective. You know, like I never had a coach like him. And I just feel like, you know, I'm blessed to have a coach like him. Boy, I've heard a lot of guys say it, too. Isn't it when the game starts slowing down that you become a better player? Talk mm-hmm. about that. Uh, when the game slows down, you just become more confident. Um, you know what you're doing, so you don't have to really think. You can just play. Let your instincts take over. How about you, TJ? You feel the same way? No, nah, yeah, for sure. Just that um, you quiet that voice in the back of your head more and more, and just, you know, it kind of takes weight off your shoulders once you, like, feel comfortable and know know what you're doing and what your job is the more i think about it anthony it seems like that applies to almost any person in any job you know when you know when you feel like you know what you're doing it gives you the confidence and then things slow down and uh, it's like a snowball yeah it definitely helps it definitely helps to know what you're doing yeah for sure uh tj saturday's loss had to be a tough one to swallow for you guys up front Uh, how do you reflect back on that game uh, man, just some of the coaches emphasized, and you know, Coach Aguano's emphasized ever since he, you know, he took over the head coaching job is just doing our job. There's a lot of missed opportunities out there from exactly what he said, guys trying to do too much, you know, especially myself. I went into the game feeling like I had to uh, ask more of myself and do more, which, you know, ultimately at the end of the game when I started figuring things out, you know, I just slowed it down and just said all you have to do is do your job and, you know, we'll be okay, and I feel like that showed later on in the game. Right. Anthony, how about you? What are your main takeaways from that game Saturday night? Same thing Coach, uh, TJ just said. Um, it's just about doing your job. Uh, if everybody does their job, there's no other job need to be done. The play will be over. So, Every time you guys say that, and, and I think it's so true, I hear I hear Bill Belichick's voice in my ear. And, you know, what, and his, and that's what he always tells his New England Patriots team. Do your job. Mm-hmm. And, and it really boils down to the, all levels of football, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Anthony, uh, some, how, how are the guys feeling now? I know the flu bug has been going through your team. How, how are guys feeling right now health-wise? Yeah, the, the, it definitely came through and got some guys, but uh, I think we're all in good spirits. Um, we know it, it just comes with the season. Uh, we just got to get through it and just remain healthy and keep playing. TJ, we're talking with Coach Iguano about running the table, winning these last three games. Uh, if you do that, you will be bowl eligible. How meaningful would that be for you as players, and uh, how do you feel the team is ready for that challenge? Oh, I have complete faith in my brother. We work every day, you know, uh, and we uh, keep each other that, stand, uh, that standard even since in the spring. And um, I just feel like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Hard, hard to put into words sometimes. Yeah, but huh? I know we're for sore ready. And uh, merely, it would mean a lot just to, you know, have that last hurrah with my brothers. That would mean the world to me, you know. Like, this, that's one thing that I feel like I always come back to. 
once I put them on my pads, just having the relationships, you know, and uh, building on that and having, hopefully having as much as we can. Well, that's every every player I've heard down through the years. That's what they miss most when they leave. It's not they don't remember games or moments. They remember the friends and the relationships, don't yes, you sir. think? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anthony, how do you feel about this last three-game stretch coming up? I'm excited. Um, I think everybody on the team, we know we, uh, we should have did a lot more from the point that we're at now. Um, we just want to show everybody in these last three games uh, it, we, we are who we think we are. Um, so, yeah, just go out there and ball. TJ, what has Coach Aguano brought to the program since he's taken over as head coach? Man, I just feel like uh, he just emphasized a lot of, like, of the little things, you know, like bringing energy back, um, a new perspective of energy, you know, just and continuing to be on guys, pushing them. And then uh, that kind of helped a lot of guys because they thought things would change and for the better or for the worse, and he made it easier for everyone. You know, he just, you know, he trusts everybody, and, it's really on you if that, that, that goes away. Yeah. How about you, Anthony? What do you think uh, some of the fingerprints Coach Iguana's left on the program? Uh, just from what I've seen, he doesn't quit. Um, even when you are doing the right thing, there's just something you can always do better. Uh, he just harps on doing the little things um, and just making sure everything's right all the time. Let's look ahead to Saturday. Uh, Anthony, I, what do you think about playing in 39-degree uh, weather up in uh, Pullman? And your thoughts on Washington State from what you've seen on film? Uh, I think it's going to be fun. Being from Arizona, I've never played in cold weather like that. Uh, I experienced it in Utah in 2019. Um, right. It's not fun, but I just like playing football, so it don't really matter. Uh, Washington State's a good football team. They like to spread it out, uh, get the ball down the field. Um, we should have some, some sack opportunities, so we'll get after it. How about you, TJ? What strikes you about the Cougars and uh, your thoughts on going up against their offense this weekend? No, yeah, just like what Coop said, they like to spread us out. We got to play in space. You know, we got to be a lot more um, detailed and be a, be a lot more, you know, focused on the little things. And, uh, you know, I just look forward to another battle. So what are you, Anthony, what are your plans post-college? I always like to ask the kids, uh, other than obviously playing uh, pro football, what uh, what do you hope to be, where do you see yourself like 10 years from now? I don't know, really. Um, I'm trying to, trying to do something with nutrition. One thing that just, like, I don't know, seems fun is my whole life I've, uh, I've been working out, playing football outside, sweating all the time. I think it'd be nice to just like go sit in a room at a desk from like nine to five and just talk to people. I think I, that doesn't, it doesn't seem fun for other people, but for me, I think that's amazing. Well, there you go. How about you, TJ? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I haven't thought about it much. Uh, I just, you know, going with the flow and, you know, wherever. Uh, God sees me fit. That's where I'll be. Well, you got two little ones on the journey with you, and that's uh, that's pretty doggone special. How would you describe what being a dad's like? Oh, man, it's tiring for sure, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's a blessing. Each and every day you wake up, it's a blessing. Man. Boy, isn't that yeah. the truth? Yes, well, sir. We're so glad to have both of you in the Arizona State program. You've been getting nice cogs in the D-line uh, the last couple of years, and we wish you the best of luck this week and the rest of the season. Thanks for coming on, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have Anthony Cooper and T.J. Pesafea, our guests tonight on the Maroon Monsoon. Up next, we'll meet T.J. and Anthony's boss, as Sun Devil defensive line coach Robert Rodriguez will join us. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. Now, this timeout. This is the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light, the third quarter. Hey, Sun Devil fans, the new Sun Devil Athletics Game Day mobile app is here. Manage your tickets, receive breaking news. 
light up Sun Devil Stadium with the Sun Devil Light Integrated Smartphone Light Show and so much more. Download it today from the Apple Store or from Google Play. We continue now with tonight's edition of the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light. We come your way every Wednesday night during the college football season from Dave and Buster's at Tempe Marketplace. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Sun Devil Football and your host tonight, and we're glad you joined us. Our guest this evening, going to say it right here, one of our favorite show guests every year, now in his third season in charge of the Sun Devil defensive line. He came to Arizona State after spending five years with the Minnesota Vikings as a defensive line coach in the NFL. He was also an assistant coach at his alma mater, UTEP, where in his playing days he was one of the minors' all-time great defensive players, one of the school's top five all-time tacklers. He led the Western Athletic Conference in tackles three times and was the WAC Defensive Player of the Year in 2004. It is a pleasure to welcome Coach Robert Rodriguez to the show. Coach Rod, how you doing? We're doing great, man. I'm doing great. Great to have you on. Now, we read all those great numbers about your defense, but when I did my research and read uh, Coach Rod's bio on the ASU website, found out he was a star running back yeah. at Montwood High School in El Paso, Texas, a running back. Tell oh, us yeah. all about it. No, I, I grew up as a – I played both ways as a, as a youngster, but I was always in love with being a running back. Mm-hmm and uh, turned out to be pretty good at it and scored a lot of touchdowns in high school and good enough to get a scholarship uh, and get recruited. So I ended up at UTEP. And then this is the funny thing. I get to UTEP, and it turns out you got to be fast to be a running back. At the How about level. that? How about that? Huh? And so I was right out then. So once that happened, I had to figure out another way to make my money. But the true story is I got in an argument with another running back, a big running back like myself, and we had freshman scrimmages every Monday. And what happened was he was bragging about how nobody wanted to tackle him. And I stood up to him and I said, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if I got a chance, I'd tackle you. <laughs> well, it turned out the, line, the defense coordinator wanted me to be a linebacker anyway. But I lined up in a scrimmage and got like six tackles on eight plays <laughs> trying to get this dude, and he never got on the field. He, like, <laughs> he saw me hit the first guy and then fake the hamstring injury or something. <laughs> And he never oh, got on the field, and it's like I got off the field. You know, you're you're in the you're in the daze, you know. And they're like, they got me off the field, and they're like, chill out, calm down. You're a linebacker now. You and found your calling. I found my calling. There yep. you go. Like, like all things, God God put me where I need to be. Isn't that the truth? And uh, you're a linebacker at UTEP. You coached linebackers there. What led you to kind of morph upward in the defense, up to the defensive line? Well, what happened was when I was uh, those years that I was a linebackers coach, my defensive line coach was a coordinator. His name was Andre Patterson. And he turned out to be my mentor in this business and in, in this field. And he told me what happened was he said, look, if you're going to be my linebackers coach, everywhere I've been, the linebackers coach and the D-line, there's a separation. So if you're going to coach linebackers for me, you're going to learn to be a D-line coach. So I had to sit in on every single one-on-one, every single meeting. Wow. We would meet together at times. We did drills together constantly. And so he said if I was going to be worth anything as a backers coach, he was going to teach me how to be a D-line coach. So I started that way, and then when he, uh, you know, Mike Price, who's, who's another good uh, mentor of mine. Former head coach at Washington State, ironically, and oh, UTEP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And as a matter of fact, when he put the, the staff together at UTEP, they were all uh, Washington State and Washington guys. So he used to tell the joke, what do you get when you mix a Cougar and a Husky? You get a minor. <laughs> that's and right. So, that's right. And so that's what that staff was. But when he retired, we had to leave, and, and, and that's when Andre went back with Coach Zimmer, became the D-line coach for the Vikings. 
After his first year, he got me an internship there as the linebackers guy uh, through the Bill Walsh Minority Fellowship. And then the next year, the assistant left, and, and, and I got a chance to interview. So he gives me a call and says, hey, man, you get your stuff over here? And uh, it's the first time. So the first time I actually coached defensive line was at the NFL level. Wow. And, and, but it's because of his mentorship through all those years that I was prepared for it. It was kind of weird when I interviewed for it. I kind of I kind of put my best foot forward because he had prepared me for it. I had no idea that I was that advanced in all those techniques. Mm-hmm. Till I was put on the stage and asked to to talk about those things, and wow. so he helped me a ton by 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 doing that. So that's what that's where I ended up here. What are some of the philosophies that uh, guide you in mentoring D linemen? Because you know it's my observation and everyone else's that you do a terrific job at your craft. What what are some of the philosophies that you uh, work or adhere to in, in your work? Well, one of the main philosophies that it's helped me is first of all, you know, coaching is teaching. And so that means empowering. And so one of the things that these guys hopefully can attest to is that most D-line coaches are brought up to teach these guys with, you know, no offense to anybody else, but to be dumb. Be violent. Be explosive. Don't think. Just throw your stuff around. And they go up against offensive linemen who, with all due respect, are not as good of athletes as they are, but they're well coached. No matter what, offensive lines are extremely well coached because they have to be. They're not the best athletes. And so my philosophy that I inherited from Andre is to flip that. If our technique is as sound as theirs is, if we're as intelligent and educated, if we're playing chess, not checkers, then our athleticism takes over. And so my belief is is to push education, to push, like these guys said, hey, let's be intelligent in our decisions. I don't want you guys to walk out there and be pawns in this game. I want you guys to be something more significant and, and that's what we've done that you know all everything we do is about empowerment i tell these guys all the time i want to empower you if something god forbid happened to me on a friday then i hope you guys cry and mourn my loss and then saturday you guys suit up and kick some butt because you guys have already been empowered with the things that it takes to be successful and then hopefully when they get to go to another team another level that they're equipped with the tools that it's going to take to make great decisions, go out there, and, and be successful. Boy, that is terrific. Um, how would you size up the play of your D-line this year? You know, i tell you what. Everything that we've done, no doubt because of the wins and losses, we tie ourselves to every bit of that. Um, but one of the things I refuse to do is, uh, is talk to my guys like losers if they don't perform like losers. And, and even if we win a game, we don't play well, they're going to get the truth the next day. Right. Um, I will say that it hasn't been up to our standard and has not uh, been the type of football that's been consistent enough and successful enough to take over games and help our teams win every single week. Um, but I'm extremely proud of, of, our, of our group in terms of their ability to deal with adversity and keep fighting. And I know this. I know who's, I know who's got my back in that room. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I can look guys in the eye, and I know who's got themselves uh, – put first and who's got the team put first and who's got my best interest put first because right. I walk in every day and tell them look them in the eye and say I'm going to give you all I got and I'm getting that in return that's really a, a testament to Coach Guano and everything he's brought here in the culture but it also a testament to these guys and what they're made of and this is beyond football this is the character with beating in their hearts and uh, so I love these guys and I'm proud of them and I want us to finish strong I want us to start getting the type of production that they deserve 
but we got to do it as a unit. We yeah. can't do it as individuals. We got to go out there and do it as a unit, and uh, and I believe we're going to do that. That'd be great if they could. It really touched me when I heard TJ talking about having one last go around with his dudes, you know, uh, as a senior to play one more game, a bowl game with his teammates. You know, I will say this, man, that that that, that goes a long way. But that's who TJ is, man, and. When I first got here, it was so funny because as quiet as he is now, he was even more quiet when I got here. Um, but to watch him him and Coop, both of them, you know, were guys that were down the depth chart, probably didn't have people that gave them the opportunity, probably didn't have people that believed in them. And the beauty of me walking in is I said, hey, guys, I don't care. I didn't recruit any of you. I'm going to give you all the opportunity to show me who you are. And these two guys did that. And one of the things that drives these guys is obviously to prove people wrong, but secondly, they both matured so much that they become leaders and guys that they look up to. They're accountable to their brothers. And when I see that, when I see it, it when, the, when it really hits the fan in the game, when things get hot and heavy, these guys don't buckle. I, can, I know I can depend on these guys. We can go into the fire. If I'm getting in a fight right now in the back alley, these two guys are with me. They're with me. And um, so I'm not surprised to hear that from TJ. TJ's all about giving. And he cares so much about his brothers, and I've seen it firsthand. So that I take a lot of pride in his success and his consistency because, you know, I know how much he cares. And he and I love it when people care that much because you, you give more than you take. Absolutely. And that's definitely true about him. Earlier in the year, we had Nesta Jade Silvera on the show, and I talked to you about him uh, in a piece we did on him for a pregame show. He's been a terrific addition from Miami, hasn't he? Yeah. No, and Nesta brings a, a, an added spark that, you can't just find this type of explosiveness that you just you don't find. And Nesta is also, you know, he's got that same kind of spark plug as a man. You know, he, he, he burns hot and he's fired up and a competitor. And that's always great to add to a defensive line room, man, that type of competitiveness and, and, and explosiveness. Uh, but it's been great to have him here. And I'll tell you what, it, it's tough to transfer in. I, I, I got to oh, give yeah. guys, especially a guy like Nesta, who's always been highly recruited, uh, but he's come in here, and he's fitting great with the room, and, and obviously the play's been, been excellent as well. I'm glad people notice it. Yeah. You know, another guy that I've noticed this year, I think he's put up some good numbers for you, is defensive end Joe Moore. Mm-hmm. As, uh, Joe is, uh, leads the Sun Devils with uh, six quarterback uh, pressures, four tackles for loss, and has a couple of sacks as well. Uh, he's done a nice job getting to the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll tell you what, he's had a great week of practice this week, but Joe had run and cut into a lot, little bit of a stalemate here last season, and it's just he's worked himself into this position. So I'm really proud to hear that, that, that people are noticing as well, because he's still got another level that he can reach. He's really starting to rush at the level that he's capable of, but as a run stopper, and he can, you know, the sky's the limit. He can be an all-around five-tool guy at that position. How's Omar Norman Lott doing? I know he, uh, I think he was one of those guys that uh, got bit by that flu bug last week. How's, how's Omar doing? Yeah, he got bit hard, man. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit, there's a little bit, there's a lot less Omar today than there was a week ago. You know what I mean? He <laughs> yep. lost a little I, weight, you know, know exactly wasn't eating, and then that happened. But, and, you know, with Omar, too, he had high expectations for this season. He ran to an injury, then the flu bugs. There's been some bumps in the road for him. But uh, this week has been real positive. He's coming back. He's, he's a little bit on the mend right now, but he's coming back strong. We're hoping to get him at full strength by the end of the week. And I do know this about Omar, is when we have a healthy, focused Omar Norman Lott, we're a better defensive line. He's and a good we, football player. Absolutely, and he's a good guy. And the guys love playing with him and, um, and love to have him at full strength. But the most important thing is that we do right by him, make sure we bring him along and take care of him. And that's what, uh, like we always talk about, the 
the lone wolf dies and the pack survives. So we got to pick each other up. There you go. Uh, from your unit's perspective, what will be some keys against Washington State on Saturday? You know, the, this is a team that spreads you out. And so in, in, in similar fashion to a couple teams we played this year, this year, people think it's always about the pass when you hear about that. Yeah, they yeah. lull you to sleep and they can hit you with the run. You know, the two things that we have to do is be extremely disciplined and physical up front. We have the opportunity to get extension and really eliminate gaps and eliminate the run game. That's going to be huge for us. But secondly, we got to get off blocks, man. We got to get to that quarterback. So yeah. Even, you know, it's not always about sacks, but we need to get sacks. We need to get hits on the quarterback legally, and we need to make sure he feels us at all times. If he can set his feet comfortably and throw the ball, then we haven't done our job. So we need to do our job up front, win the battle in front of us, play with low eyes, low flat backs, good feet, the handwork that Coop was talking about, beat these dudes, mm-hmm. and make sure that that quarterback knows the name of every single defensive lineman by the end of that game. That's interesting about Washington State because they still have, I think, some components of that air raid offense that Mike Leach brought, uh, pass first. And yet, it's interesting, they're, they're, they're near the bottom of the Pac-12 in run, rushing offense. I think they're ranked 11th. But I think it's because they don't choose to run very often because their top two running backs are averaging over six yards a carry when they do run the football. And you just nailed it. You just hit the nail on the head because what happens is they're at the bottom of the league in rushing because of attempts, just like you said. But when they run it because people are just getting off the ball and vacating gaps and trying to get to the quarterback, and they're hitting big seams. And we showed it this week. It was like a highlight film when we put it on. Yeah, yeah. Conversely, when people play with discipline, get off blocks, they're not really uh, built to to run the ball because of that. You know, their combinations aren't as as solid as some other teams. And so, if we play discipline inside, we have an opportunity to shut that down. We just can't fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah, and uh, and that's going to be big for us. I told you, you've heard why he's one of my favorite guests. Uh, great, great insights from uh, Coach Rod, uh, Robert Rodriguez. Always partner. Great to see you, partner. Thanks, Thanks for coming dog. on, buddy. It's Good always a pleasure. You. I appreciate you. You betcha. Robert Rodriguez, our guest on this segment of the Maroon Monsoon. Coach Iguano will rejoin me in a moment, and we'll look ahead to Saturday's tilt in Pullman with those Washington State Cougars. But first, these messages on the Sun Devil Radio Network. The fourth quarter is next on the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light. We thank you for joining us for tonight's installment of the Maroon Monsoon presented by Coors Light coming your way live from Dave and Buster's in Tempe Marketplace. I'm Tim Healy, Arizona State Interim Head Coach Sean Oguano rejoins me now. And uh, again, great guests on tonight's show. Coach Rod, I love my, uh, I could, I, I should feel like I should be taking notes when <laughs> he's uh, providing all that insight. What does he bring to your staff? To me, he presents a lot of been there, done that. He was a terrific college player. Uh, a former NFL assistant coach. He's been where a lot of these guys want to go. Knowledge is power, and, and he's providing knowledge to our kids and, and giving a different uh, aspect in regards to their learning. Um, and uh, he, he's a great teacher on the field as well as a great man. How about the two fellows we heard from, T.J. Pesfaya and Anthony Cooper? I'm proud of those two. Um, you know, they, it's been uh, tough for them these last couple of years, but they have uh, progressed really well and, and are productive on the field, but just good men. So, um, I, I'm, I'm happy to uh, call them them to call me coach. Absolutely. Let's talk some about this Washington State team we're going to see on uh, Saturday. Their quarterback, interesting story, Cameron Ward, he was a big-time star at the FCS level 
last year. He played at the University of Incarnate Word, which is a, a school in, I think, the Southland Conference in, in the San Antonio, yes. Texas area. And he won the Jerry Rice Award as the National FCS Offensive Player of the Year. And he's put up some good numbers this year at Washington State. What type of quarterback is he? What have you seen on film of him? You know, he delivers the ball well. He, uh, he takes uh, um, accurate shots down the field, but uh, he's a field general. Um, you know, it, it's uh, he's come with the offensive coordinator, so he's played in that system prior. And so um, I think he does a great job leading that uh, that group and understands what uh, the offensive coordinator wants. Let's talk a little bit about what I was uh, talking with, with Coach Rod about. It's interesting that we associate Washington State, even though Mike Leach has been gone a couple of years, they still have the, the remnants, I guess, of that air raid, pass-happy offense, and yet... Even though they don't run the ball much, they seem like they're pretty effective when they do. What's your take on them? And I would think that would be their run game could be dangerous if you invest too much focus and attention on the pass game. Absolutely. They, so they spread the ball out, and you know they spread their personnel out, and so they leave five, six guys in the box, and and that leads to um, us worrying about the the pass game and getting into our drops. But it also opens up gaps in inside in the interior, and so they do a good job. I'm spreading you out uh, in order to run the football, and uh, they've taken advantage of a lot of teams that way. They they are known and have been known in the past for their offense, but I think when you look at their team this year, the strength of their team is that defense of theirs. They have the best scoring defense in the Pac-12. They're only giving up 20 points per game, and they're fourth in the league in total defense. They're allowing just 361 yards per game. What do you see from them on a defensive standpoint? You know, their head coach is the uh, former defensive coordinator, so uh, he puts a, a huge emphasis on the defensive Jake side of Dickert, the ball. Jake Dickert, yeah. And uh, I think they're running his defense, and so um, uh, again, when you put an emphasis on that side of the ball and understand what's going on on the defensive side, their bend don't break, and once they get in the red zone, uh, they're a feisty group, and they bring a lot of exotic pressures that we're going to have to handle. Now, last year they were your homecoming opponent, and uh, they uh, defeated Arizona State. The Sun Devils contributed to their own demise that day with a bunch of turnovers. Uh, does that thing kind of fester in the minds of the kids who played in that game last year, or is that think, revenge thing kind of overrated? I think it's think? overrated. I don't even think that we go back and watch that film. Uh, you know, we've made... Uh, a few uh, turnover errors in, in the first couple of series that led to them getting up. Uh, I think two in the first three plays. Absolutely, if I'm not and so uh, we're not going to do that uh, this year. And so um, I don't think our kids go back, and, and there's no remnants of that game. And so uh, it'll be a chilly day, but like I said, I think most of your guys are looking forward to it. Uh, give me a couple of keys that fans can keep an eye out for in terms of what the Sun Devils must do to have success Saturday. You know, I think, uh, like I always tell our kids, it's the third down emphasis, getting off the field on third down and then converting on third down, making sure that we stay ahead of the chains um, on, on first down and uh, and play and, and be an attacking offense. And the same on the defensive side, bring pressure make sure that uh, the quarterback has happy feet and then uh, stop the run. Well, the Sun Devil Radio Network is going to be there and have you covered for Saturday's ASU-Washington State game from Pullman, Washington, the Devils' first trip there since 2015. Our coverage will begin at 11 a.m. Saturday morning with the Sun Devil Tailgate Show, hosted by Mitch Vereldis, who will be filling in for Jeff Munn, who will be on uh, basketball duty this weekend. 
And then former Arizona State quarterback Jeff Van Raphorst and Kevin Turner will join me for the play-by-play broadcast. That'll start at 1.30 Arizona time, and you can hear the game on Arizona Sports as well as ArizonaSports.com and the AZ Sports app. Mitch Vereldis will then host Sun Devil Sound Off after the game. Our thanks tonight to uh, engineer Sean Crespin of the Sun Devil Radio Network for his help. Thanks to Molly Gardner of the Sun Devil Radio Network for her help as well. And a thank you to our terrific in-studio coordinator, Lauren Koble from Sun Devil Football. Thanks to Nate Wainwright, Marka Celine, Kyle Gray for their help. And again, a big shout-out to our fans here at Dave & Buster's and to the folks at Dave & Buster's for their hospitality. Sean, great to see you. Good luck this weekend. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Now, we, I won't be here next week. I'll be in Brooklyn, New York on Sun Devil Men's basketball duty, but Jeff Munn will pinch it for me next week as the Maroon Monsoon previews the home finale with Oregon State. Till then, for interim coach Sean Aguano, I'm Tim Healy. Thanks for listening. So long, everybody.